RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Dr. David Wilson is number nine on the New Zealand First list. What's that John Lennon song? Number nine dream. Maybe it is. This means that if New Zealand First wins the Port Waikato by-election, Casey Costello is the candidate. She's been on this program. So the by-election is this Saturday, November 25th. And if Casey Costello wins, David will get a seat in Parliament finally. We thought it would be uh, a good time to invite Dr. David Wilson on our radio show to get to know him better and to hear more about his background and what he will be bringing to Parliament, let's say, uh, should he get in. David, welcome to RCR. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, Paul. Yeah, listen to your show many times. It's really good. Well, and I thank like you. The, thank I like you. the name of it as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, 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 reality check. We, we, we yes. need it. Um, yes, we, even I, I think we all do. On a daily basis, still need it. But uh, everybody needs a reality check. All right, this is not your first rodeo either, is it? To use the um, to, uh, Winston line? Yes, no, it's not. Um, I first stood in 2017 in Te Atatū, Um And not long after that, I went up north and took up a job as CEO of Northland Inc. Um, for six years. And uh, sorry, that was in the middle of that. And um, <laughs> so the next time I ran in Whangarei in the 2020 COVID election, which was quite an yeah. experience. If we think this one's dragging out, that one really dragged out. Um, and then, of course, this time round, uh, standing in Upper Harbour, which is right next to my home, um, and I'm um, an Aucklander, really born and bred. Yep. Yeah. And uh, a faithful New Zealand first person, yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. I don't know how you label that, but what is it about that party that attracts you? Yeah. Uh, it's actually... Um, it, might surprise a few people, but I actually think it's their approach to the to economics and to the economy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, long story behind where I got to there. In essence, I had left the left, um, been brought up a Labour supporter uh, most of my life. Uh, or did they leave you, they David? Because they left me. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's possibly uh, more to the point. Um, but, you know, we can get into that if you wish. Yeah, but no, no, carry on. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> the left. You left the left. Yeah, I left the left. Um, because I didn't feel that they were, uh, if you like, reaching the middle ground, um, and they'd gotten into a whole bunch of factions, and it seemed to me that a lot of those factions were not aligned. Um, mm. And the other thing I liked, liked about Winston was... Um, he left National when he was sick to death of the neoliberal experiment. And um, and he was, you know, was at a time, if you remember, in the 90s, where essentially Labour brought in neoliberalism. They um, did, yeah. Yeah. It was the birth of ACT, the ACT Party, Rodney Hyde, Roger Douglas, so on. Uh, but then in the 90s, uh, the National Party really took it on board and utilised some of that ideology to do what they did. And they sold our stuff. They sold our Bank of New Zealand. They sold Telecom. They sold some of the uh, privatised and uh, commercialised a lot of the energy sector. You know, the list goes on, really, doesn't yeah. it? And, yeah. you know, when, Win when Winston stood up to um, Faye Richwhite and won that 
the rail. You know, yeah. Well, the fact that they were buying stuff and selling it and making a lot of money and hiding the profits. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, those small things. Yeah. Um, they they the, were our oligarchs, right? Oligarchs. Correct. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And I think they didn't do much for our common wealth. We lost our common wealth. And I think that's actually quite important looking forward because the sort of neoliberal approach says that it doesn't matter who owns something as long as it employs people and uh, they pay their taxes. We all built our commonwealth and, um, you know, we sold it uh, in the belief that the market will prevail and provide the most efficient answer. Um, well, long story short, kind of doesn't. Um, and no. I think we're starting to realise that now. And in a nutshell, that's kind of, yeah, that's sort of the difference between, I think, New Zealand First and National and particularly ACT. We're a little bit more of a conservative national sovereignty. We believe in savings. We believe in national wealth um, and to create those things and have a strong economy. So, um, you know, they're not going not to be able to win everything in this government, but you can see that that kind of conservative centre centre right with the other right leaning parties could actually work very well. Um, so yeah, let's hope so. Okay, so um, economics, because I guess um, uh, critics would say that the appeal of New Zealand First and Winston is, um, you know, <laughs> racist baubles of office. Um, only um, he's only interested in himself. Um, Someone might even bring up the ferry scraping the bottom at the Marlborough Sounds or something like that. Um, none of that is relevant, obviously, as far as you're concerned. Um, how do you explain well, the proof? You... The proof is there. How how could you be, you know, disingenuous and still running, you know, still running at a political party? Because that ain't easy. Yeah, but that's what the media, mainstream media, do, don't they? They've always yeah. cast him and the party in a particular way. But anyway, um, mm. so the performance, and we'll jump around a bit here, the performance of the party <laughs> at the general election just gone, did that, was that north of what you'd expected about right or, or what do you think of that result? I think slightly south. Um, okay. Yeah, given what we were hearing on the ground. Um, you don't want to be caught in your own eco chamber, of course. But um, there was such such a strong strength of feeling on the ground. Um, we knew there was a swing to the right. Uh, it was then just a matter of how much of a swing would land with us. Um, so I think, yeah, by and large, good to be back. That was a hurdle in itself. Yeah. Um, you know, and so eight good MPs, um, possibly nine with any luck. Yeah. How? And, what's it um, like being yeah. so close yet so far? <laughs> I've actually been there before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've been the fence sitter uh, before. I was a fence sitter in 2017. I think I was one or two places out then. No, it would have been two places, yeah. And, you know, so, look, the gig is to get the party into parliament. And, you know, during that um, election and following that, I had the privilege of being on the advisory panel for the Provincial Growth Fund. So it doesn't mean that, um, you know, because you're not in Parliament that you don't have some influence. Um, so putting your yep. hand up just means you're lending your, your shoulder to the wheel. The Provincial Growth Fund, again, is, you hear criticism of that. 
But um, there's something that, that, you know, that rings a bit different about that, and that is you're getting actual hard infrastructure for the spend. Is that right? Exactly. Um, and and, and it, that has it, benefits. They're investments. They've got benefits for communities into the future. Uh, how successful do you think that was? I think it was very successful, um, and I think we will realise it more as time goes on. Because, of course, you know as well as I do, if you're investing in infrastructure, it's not always apparent exactly what benefit that will give you, but you'll see that much later on. But there is, there has been some reports done by the vestiges of the Provincial Growth Fund through um, Kanoa, where uh, Burl, Business Economic Research Limited, did an economic impact analysis of all the investments that went into Northland. There was about $600 million that went into Northland, um, you know, the second uh, dis- most disadvantaged region in the country behind Tairawhiti. Um, $600 million went in. The economic return they calculated has been $1.2 billion and rising. So that's not bad, is it, in three years? And what can the previous government claim that's anywhere near that in the time that we weren't in parliament? So and it's a low. I, it's a low blow. You're saying it's a low blow. To criticise that, it's kind of a low blow. Not very yes. smart. Low blow. If, but I do fully understand that it was pushing government a bit. Yeah. You know, because you're asking government to invest in projects, programs alongside communities with the private sector, uh, iwi asset companies. You're taking a bit of risk, and of course that has political risk. So it was kind of brave. Um, and but I think we need to be brave. And the good thing about the Provincial Growth Fund, as you said, you know, investing in infrastructure, but also things like Maori tourism, cultural tourism opportunities, uh, Haunted Vasa Art Museum and Wairau Maori Art Centre in Whangarei, you see long-term benefits coming back to that, but it also is providing benefit to the community. So it's, it's not all about the productivity. But that said, how else do you address our terrible terrible um, record in low productivity growth. Yeah. It's just been insipid for 30 years. It's terrible. We all talk about it. The economists roll out all the time and tell us what the figures are, and and um, but seldom tell us what we need to do. The thing about the Provincial Growth Fund was it's where the rubber hits the road. It's where you're actually investing in a project and you can measure the outcomes. Um Show me something else. You know, this is public and private working together. Well, I could show you probably a huge a bunch of invoices from consultants. <laughs> you mean the ones trying to get the project's investment ready? Well, I don't know. You know, the ones who do the light rail scoping and the cycle tracks and all of that. So, oh, um, yeah, well, that's the opposite, isn't it? Winston's been, um, and I say Winston because he's been the main communicator along the way here, but I think Shane Jones has been mentioning it too, economics, and, um, uh, you know, that we're not in a very in very good shape, let's say. Mm. There's talk of, a what, a mini-budget, which I think he raised a while back, and it seems to be part of these talks from what I've seen reported. That means that there's some urgent work that needs to be done on finances, obviously. So how do we, how do we operate? If, if we start to think about economics now and starting to win a bit and not sort of you know, go on with this insipid growth or, or productivity, all those things. What do we have to do? We do have to invest. And it's kind of back to basics. We know 
we've got to increase growth. We've actually got to grow the economy in spite of what others might say. We've actually got to increase our e exports, both in, in volume and value, hopefully more in value, but you know, we've actually fallen behind exports. Our balance of payments deficit is a shocker. Um, there's no way that we should be spending more money with the rest of the world than earning. You know, that's, that's nuts. How did we get here? Um, productivity, we talked about cost of living. All of those things are actual real fundamentals. And you've got to actually turn the disinvestment cycle around to become an investment cycle. We need that upward spiral of investment. So whether it's infrastructure, which gives you that platform from which to build businesses and to increase, you know, the, the economist's words are reduce transaction costs. In other words, make it easier to get products to market, that kind of stuff. That's why rail is, is actually so important. Um, those kind of basics we need to do first and build on top of that. But uh, New Zealand First is also keen to see that we strengthen our manufacturing sector as well, our secondary industry. And I think in you know, the global geopolitics at the moment actually allows us to go there. We, we have an opportunity to build on our resources, our natural resources. So I think that there is a chance we can turn it around. It will be like turning the Titanic around because, boy, have we spent some money. There's also, though, buy-in. Uh, it seems to me that, um, you know, sort of basic patriotism has kind of ebbed away. And don't you need that to all be, you know, grabbing the tools and, marching in the in the the right direction to make the country better it feels like that we're a bit divided yeah i, I think yeah i think in a sense you're right paul it's i mean the immigration migration numbers kind of tell you a bit of a story there don't they right at the moment where we've got over a hundred thousand i think it was of net inward migration uh, but more kiwis leaving than coming way more and that tells you something. Um, and so overall, we might have net inward migration, but some of our Kiwis are losing faith with the fact that the fundamentals of our economy are not working well. And we've got to turn that around. And I completely agree with you that there is a sense of national nationalism in there. But um, can I just digress for a second and tell you a bit of a story? Sure. We love stories. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, it's a campaign story. And... Um, I was at a debate and the ACT guy got up and said, I love Norway. I think Norway's fantastic. I'm a capitalist guy. I love capitalism and I think that's just going to save us from everything. If we're good capitalists and we get back and get into being entrepreneurial, then everything will be fine. Um, to which further down the track, I replied, yeah, I like Norway too. I really love the look of their sovereign fund. Um, that stat oil produced and the clues in the name the first four letters stat state oil so norway very smartly i think squirreled away a lot of the profits from stat oil and put it into a sovereign fund have a guess how big that thing is now in the trillions isn't it yeah 1.47 trillion i think it's 2.3 million american dollars per citizen yes yeah you something you know exactly like what that. i'm talking about yeah, you were going there before I got there. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It? It's just crazy. It's crazy. But that's, for us, 
um, New Zealand firsters, we think that kind of sovereign wealth is really important. And how do you get there? What you said, Paul, it's like actually shoulders to the wheel for everybody that lives here as a citizen. You know, we've got a job to do and um, we just need the government to give us the basics with our taxpayers' money that give us the fundamentals to get on top of this and turn it around. Well, even just allowing people to do stuff, talking of energy, yeah. you know, we've got a lot of energy there. We could be bagging it, tagging it, selling it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like Norway. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, the horse has bolted a bit there. We've taken No, I know, but... <laughs> we could have we could have done that. We we could have done yes. this. We could have. We could have. But it doesn't stop us from actually building up our sovereign wealth in other ways. Yeah. yeah. Um and you know, for example, I think Kiwi Save is one of the best things since sliced bread. Um more we can induce Kiwis to save, the better. Because, you know, those those funds, they're New Zealand funds, even though they invest overseas, but they also invest in New Zealand. Yeah, and you provide the right opportunities; those funds could be very valuable to us in the future. So, more power to them. So, but, if uh, you, let, let's say let's say the um, the by election goes New Zealand first way. You're in. Yeah, you're number nine. You're in. You you are thinking economics. You think other stuff, but you're thinking economics. How much how much would you try and get in there to make a difference? Ah. Uh, I, or the only way I'd put this is that I'm at a stage in life where I wouldn't be there unless I was really trying to rattle a cage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's no. So way you've done I'm your time. You, you don't. You've done yeah. your time. Now, yep. um, the cumulative learnings, whammo. Yep, I'm in there, in whatever it takes. So each one of those things I listed, whether it's growth and exports, productivity, the cost of living, finance. Um, you know how we run our our finance and a reserve bank and our you know fiscal spending, all those kinds of things. I'm happy playing in that paddock uh, tomorrow. Yeah, because uh, I've done my time there. Okay, so I guess New Zealand First is the junior partner, though there can't be a government without New Zealand First, and they're not you're not too far behind Axe. So there's not much between the two. Let's say let's let's call it about even, if if you were to call it now. Um, how much power can the party have? Given we're in, some people would say, you know, um, uh, once in a generation or more um, time that we've got to do stuff here. There's all that division, all these things going on, high stakes. How far can New Zealand first push it, do you think, to, to get as much as possible? Uh, well, I think you've seen that Winston has punched above his weight. Right. And the team. Have I, I, I guess our listeners want to know that if they voted for New Zealand first, that they want to know that you guys are going to go so hard as you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's part of being in a small party. You know, look, if the goal, Paul, for me was to be in parliament, I would have mm. joined national years ago, you know, and just sat there on the on the list until I moved my way up and I'd be in because, you know, they can take 48 MPs and um, off the electorates or 40 MPs off the electorates and then plus whomever else gets in there off the list. You know, that's the easiest path, but that's not the goal. The goal here is to be tight, smart and um, and get stuff done. 
because if you look at which party got the most done in 27 to 20, 2017 to 2020, you know, who was it? Was it New Zealand First or was it Labour? You know, mm. we're the ones that got 1,800 police. We're the ones that got all the spending on defence, got the new Hercules, got the new um, jets, you know, got yeah, a new yeah, boat. Yeah. Yep. yeah, all of that stuff. Um, and the Provincial Growth Fund, which is now proving to be, you know, a real success. We got stuff done. And, and, I, and I guess what I'd say is that there's a bunch of people there already and me waiting in the wings that know how to get stuff done. Yeah, it's good to have aeroplanes that aren't as old as as me. <laughs> yeah, and and one where you don't have to send two with your prime minister, one to be yeah. just in case the one falls down. Oh well, okay. <laughs> um, the other thing too, specifically, and you'll know this with our listeners, very um, interested in this inquiry. That you know, what sort of inquiry are we going to have? Winston's told us what he wants. You know, personally on the show, um, is there anything you can tell us? that um, can make us feel positive that, that you know, you're going hard on that? We're all committed to that, yeah. without exception. Um, you know, look, my wife's a GP uh, and a damn good one and been in the game a long time. And, of course, my game is economic development, regional development, economics. And the both of us watching what we went through during that time, we were both at times horrified at how things were being played out and what was going to, you know, what the collateral damage was going to be in her case in health and my case in the economy. We were both horrified. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think most people are like us. From my perspective, we do need a full and frank evaluation of how we, you know, how we managed pandemic because we can't make those same mistakes again. We just can't. You can't shut down an economy and expect and, and, that everything's going to be fine. Uh, we have to have explained and understand and where the chips fall, they fall. Um, understanding of why certain people did certain things in the face of certain other things. Correct. And uh, th there's some really pivotal times and pivotal moments. I remember watching you know, sorry, I can't remember the Labor minister that said this, but you can't judge everything on a cost-benefit analysis. Well, I'm sorry, but the cost-benefit analysis of some of those decisions would have been quite helpful for us well, to it, understand what the decision should be. Because the emperor had no clothes. <laughs> exactly. Um, you yeah. know, what's the cost-benefit or cost-cost <laughs> of a lockdown? You know, well, as it turns sometimes out, Oh, huge, horrifying, yeah. yeah, horrifying, frightening, yeah, yeah, and then right. the management of it. So, oh, yeah. we could go on. Well, it's been interesting meeting you and chatting with you, and um, I'm sure our audience have enjoyed um, being part of that. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, with Casey contesting the Port Waikato by-election this weekend, and you could be in there. So this this might be your last of this sort of rodeos. You never know. <laughs> you never know. We had one person um, send us an email and say, um, I hope people in Port Waikato realise that they're voting to get one person off the list from New Zealand First or one person off the list from National because we've already got Casey Costello and we've already got yes. Andrew Bailey, no matter what happens. Yeah, good point. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
So. Let's see what happens. And um, thanks for coming on to RCR, Dr. David Wilson. Thank you, Paul. Great to talk. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.